I'll try to get organized here. And again, want to welcome everybody here and uh, those who may be viewing us online or on television. Especially want to say a welcome to my buddy Bill at Ascentia. He's uh, unable to get here, but he's believing one day he will. And uh, uh, our, our good secretary, Corey, got him set up so that he could watch us on his telephone because he couldn't get it on his TV. And I want to plug Corey a little bit here, our church secretary. Started serving this church when he was a teenager, going on 32 years ago. How do you like that for dedicated service? You'd think by now he would have got a decent job, but no, he's faithful. (laughs) And I I also want to plug doing visitation ministry in nursing homes or people that can't get out, can't get out to church. Um, You can be a real blessing to those who who, uh, aren't able to attend church. They They maybe don't even get much company. Years ago, a couple generations ago, when folks got old, they stayed at home. They stayed, people worked on the farm. There was always people at home. They'd see to it that the old folks were taken care of and they always had company around, always had little ones around, whatnot. Well, that's not the way it is in the world today. A lot of these shut-ins, they sit there and sit there and sit there. So to, to take a little time to go visit someone that you know or, or related to, uh, you may, you may uh, freak them out. Well, my wife and I had some free time here a few months ago, and we visited a couple of her relatives in the nursing home, I guess you'd call it. And, and one in particular was total surprise to her. And she said, you just made my day. And then I think she said, no. She said, I think you made my year. You know, just a, a simple thing like taking 10, 15 minutes to stop in and, and visit someone who maybe doesn't get much company. That can be a real blessing to them. And that uh, you, don't, you don't have to be an evangelist to do that. Well, Barry kind of, he stole a lot of my thunder already, which was good. He wasn't even aware of it. Um, But we're going to be doing some reading out of Colossians chapter 3 today. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. And uh, nice to have when I need a little extra wetting of my whistle. Um, And there again, I want want to uh, remind you all that I am not the pastor here, so don't give up on church yet just because of me. Please come back next next Sunday because uh, he'll be back. Our regular team will be back. We, we really ended up being shorthanded. All of a sudden on this Sunday, nobody could, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but a lot of our regular uh, team weren't, weren't able to make it today. 
but we'll get by somehow or another. And uh, you know what? I'm going to let you do a little group uh, involvement. I'd like for you to, those of you who feel so led, raise your hand toward me and pray that God's Holy Spirit would be able to work through me today. Could you do that? Thank you. Okay, it says, Colossians 3, If ye then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, it says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a kind of a crazy, powerful verse. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to go over to Romans 6, 6 through uh, 19 right now. I'm going to be bouncing all over in the Bible today. Guys, you'll probably think that's the most unorganized preacher I ever heard. But, uh, but there's something about the Word of God. Wherever you land, it's good. Amen. The Word of God is good. Even if you don't know where you're going, even if you're... I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know my way around the Bible. I'd just flop it open and read, not even knowing where I was <laughs> going or what I was reading. But I always got fed spiritually. And what, would, what I would marvel at was quite often when I'd go to church on Sunday, the preacher would be preaching on the very thing that I read that last week. And I thought, whoa. Here, I don't even know what I'm doing, but here uh, I was reading at the very same place that the preacher would be preaching on. So God can lead us in his word. He can teach us. We just need to get our nose in there and start feasting on his word. So it says, now this, uh, this is concerning uh, being dead. It says, know this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You know what? We don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. A lot of us, or maybe I'll just talk about me. Uh, There was a time I had been living in sin for so long I just became accustomed to it. I thought that's, That's just me. I'm always going to be a slave to sin. But that's not the case because that's what Christ came to this earth to do was to save us miserable sinners. That's something to be excited about. And I remember shortly after, shortly after I got saved, like I said, I used to just flop the Bible open and start reading and I came to 2 Corinthians 5.17. A lot of you guys maybe heard me share this many times, but I'm going to share it one more time. It's my testimony. And I read that verse. It said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And I come to the realization, that's what happened to me. 
because I, I had been basically on a four-year drunken, drug-crazed binge. It seemed like everything I could addict, get addicted to, I got addicted to. It was kind of like, uh, like cockleburrs and a cheap uh, cloth glove, you know. Stick to it, couldn't get it off. <laughs> Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And, uh, but, but that night that I accepted Christ, my addictions left me. I no longer craved tobacco anymore. I no longer craved alcohol or drugs anymore. And I couldn't hardly realize what had happened to me. I couldn't. But when I read that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I said to myself, that's what happened. That's what happened to me. To be free uh, from the power of sin, that not to have to be a slave any longer to it. What a deal. I'm still, I belong to Celebrate Recovery now, and I'm still celebrating my recovery some 40-some years later. And I got some. <laughs> that's, that's a good program, by the way. If you don't know nothing about it, I encourage you to come Tuesday night and listen to this fellow who's going to be speaking, this special speaker. I guess he's really good. I don't remember ever hearing him before, but I guess he's really good. Okay, I'm going to do some more reading here. We'll see how things go today. Looks like I've got plenty of time, and, uh, and uh, we'll just keep, keep looking at the word here. Uh, it says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. We also can die to sin and live to God. What a wonderful plan God has for us. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. We do not have to be a slave to sin any longer. You are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You will be that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Who would you rather be a slave to, sin or righteousness? I agree with you. I've been a slave to sin just about took me out. It just about killed me. I'd much rather be a slave to righteousness and a slave to God. 
He's got the best plan going. Okay, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. You know what? Our flesh is weak. I wish I could say it wasn't, but we always got this flesh, this this flesh, this carnal mind that we that wants to pull us down, wants to go to sin, at least mine does anyway. I read about a minister, I believe it was in the 1800s, this minister God was using in a mighty, mighty way. And he was, you know, had a powerful ministry. And this woman come up to him and she was bragging on him, you know, what a wonderful, wonderful guy you are, what a wonderful minister. And he finally told her, he said, lady, if you knew what I really was, you'd spit in my face. He, he realized he still had a sinful nature. And uh, we'll never lose it. Not in this life, uh, saints. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could tell you that I got it all under control. But I don't. Every day in my own life, I have to die to sin. And it seems like it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're young in the faith or old, uh, we all have the same battle. But thank God we have Christ in us now. We don't have to be defeated. We're on the winning team. We got the big guy on our side. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Okay. Yep. We can be slaves of righteousness now, not slaves of, of sin. Well, I'm going to take a, take a look at some other scripture here. It says, uh, yeah, to set your mind on things above. What do we set our minds on? We have to, we have to uh, be aware of that at all times. I don't know about you guys, but my mind has a tendency of going towards the flesh, going towards sin. I have to, I have to catch myself, you know, what am I thinking on? Because this world and everything in it and the devil wants to pull us down. I'm going to read a scripture out of 1 John uh, chapter 2 where it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So this world is, there's plenty in this world to lust after. They, the world, the media sees to it. They're putting it out continuously. But, uh, but we don't have to be a slave to it. We don't have to succumb to it. We can be careful what we're watching, what we're thinking. And uh, the pride of life is another one that uh, even, even Christians, even those in ministry have to be careful of that. I have... Uh, enjoyed reading um, of ministries 
men and women who God had anointed mightily and used them mightily in ministry. And it was sad to see how many of them failed at the end. They, they had a powerful ministry. They were doing really great. And you know what? The enemy tripped them up at the end. And even in ministry, a person can become proudful, can say, hey, look at me. Look at my ministry. Look what I have done. And that can be a real gate for the enemy to come in and, and bring destruction. And it was, it was uh, Lucifer's downfall. He became prideful. He had a very high position, highest ranking angel. And he thought, hey, look at me. And uh, pride was his destruction. So that's something that we as believers need to be careful of too. Okay, and uh, so Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the Word of God, we've sang about it this morning, we've talked about it, we all know about it, how important it is to spend time in the Word. And uh, do we? You know, that's a challenge for me, challenge for every one of us. We all have a certain amount of time, and, and where do we use it? Do we use it to, to fill us with the good things, or do we spend a lot of it in front of that boob tube or the... Or the uh, Computer screen or whatever. It may look, uh, may be entertaining and whatnot, but does it do you any good? If we take that same amount of time and invest it in seeking God, how we would be rewarded. I think uh, Dave Wilkerson, his ministry started to be launched out when he sold his TV set back in the 50s. And he spent that time seeking God. And that's where, you you guys ever hear a teen challenge or world challenge ministry? Yeah, that's where that started. Just because he, instead of entertaining himself on a bunch of garbage, he started seeking God. That's something we can do too. You know, I challenge each and every one of us, instead of spending all that time watching the tube, take some of that time, take some more of that time and get in the Word. The Word of God, to me, it's like a smorgasbord. We, uh, we sang about it a little bit, how uh, in Psalms 23, talks about, uh, he has prepared a table set for me in front of my enemies. And that, to me, that table, at least a part of that, is the word of God. To spend time feasting on the word. It's so full. When I was studying for this sermon uh, today, there's so much scripture in there. It's just like, where do you start? You know, I'm, I'm just scratching the surface on, on what uh, I'm talking about today. And the word of God is like a huge smorgasbord, like you can't even see the ends of it. Wonderful what God has prepared for us. And you know what? Oop, so many of us go there and we grab a little lettuce leaf and try it. 
and say, yeah, that's good, and walk away. And God's probably wondering, what's the matter? Isn't it good enough for you? Or don't you have an appetite? Are you sick? What's the deal? When, we, when he has prepared this huge feast for us. Or some of us maybe prefer to, uh, to just go over and open up a bag of ramen noodles and eat them dry. That's, that's, uh, that's what I grew up on. That's what I like. I like dry ramen noodles. Well, hey, God has, has a far better feast for you. Or, or maybe, maybe you'd just rather have a big sack of M&Ms, a plain and go over and, <laughs> and eat them. Well, that's, that's kind of what it is when we spend our, so much of our time just entertaining our flesh and not spending that time seeking God and in his word. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm going to preach anyway because it, it, it preaches to me. It's, it's what I need to hear. And, yeah, God has prepared a table for us And you know what? Our enemy doesn't want us eating at that table. That's why he's got a lot of distractions. He knows if you eat at that table, if you know the word of God and you know who you are in the word of God, he's not going to be able to take you down and destroy you because you know who you are. Have you ever had some knowledge about something like, hey, don't go there. I've been down there. You do not want to go down that fork in the road, you know. And uh, that's the way it is with us. Knowledge can be a, a very wonderful thing. Knowing the word of God can, like we sang about this morning, Psalms 119.11, was it? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The more you know the word, the less opportunity the enemy can trick you. And he, he may try to twist the word or, or get you, you know, but uh, to know the word of God and to stand on the word, it's, uh, it's powerful. It's a simple thing. We can all do it. Anybody in here don't know how to read? If you don't, you can even get, uh, you can even listen to it online or, or on your phone. And my wife and I have been doing a fair amount of traveling. She's been taking treatments for cancer. And uh, so, but we listen to the word when we're going, coming and going. And, uh, and how about you guys been reading out of the Immerse, uh, this challenge that our church is doing? Well, if you aren't, I encourage you to do that. You know, keep reading the word. It takes, sure, it takes some time, but it's, uh, it's good. You know, you can't, you can't go wrong spending time in the Word. Yeah, the enemy, he's always trying to get us out of the Word or even steal the Word. In the parable of the sower, um, it talks about how the sower went and sowed seed, and, uh, and then he explained what that was about to his disciples, and he said, the enemy comes to steal the seed, the word of God. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal it from us. But there's good news. Even though he's maybe stolen some of the seed from you, 
There's the biggest warehouse you ever seen in all your life, plum full of seed. You'll never, you'll never exhaust it. Just go in there and get more. Yeah. And uh, nobody likes to get ripped off, but hey, you can always get more. Keep, keep reading. Keep feeding. And um, yeah, yeah. To know the Word of God is so, so powerful for us for us to walk in victory. Yeah, because the Word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword against the enemy. And it, and it gives us the ability to discern our thoughts and the intents of our heart. So as we read the Word, uh, it'll help us to discern our thoughts. When them bad thoughts come along, kind of like... I've been told uh, people who work at a bank will go through a little class where they will uh, help them to identify counterfeit money when it comes in. I don't think I've ever come across counterfeit money myself and maybe wouldn't know it if I did, but, but these bank uh, tellers and whatnot will take this class. I guess. Anybody here ever take that class? No? Okay. We're all in the same boat, I guess. But, uh, but anyhow, they don't, from what I was told, they don't bring in a bunch of counterfeit money for them to look at. They have them look at the real stuff. They study real money. Uh, in God we trust, uh, federal uh, certificate note or whatever they call them. And uh, so they know the real thing. And when something that's false comes along, they can spot it right away because they know it's not the real deal. And that's the way it is with the Word of God. We get in there, get to know it. Know the real deal. Because if we don't, the enemy is going to try to get a foothold through our thought life. And uh, it happens. Just ask... Just ask King David when you get to heaven. Just ask these ministers who their ministries crumbled because they, they fell into sin. If they could have nipped that thought in the bud right away, it would have eliminated a lot of trouble. Any of you guys ever hear women, ladies and gentlemen, ever get in trouble for something you did that you knew you shouldn't have done anyhow? Yeah, it happens. God's constantly wanting to warn us, to keep us from falling into sin. Okay, now we're going to go to Colossians 1, 5 through 11, which says, excuse me for a second here, It says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, which are fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. You ever experienced God having to uh, correct you? I've learned that uh, God can jerk my chain pretty hard if I'm doing something that I shouldn't be and I know I shouldn't do it. I could end up suffering some pretty serious consequences. And that's 
what happens. And, and you know what? I don't think God wants to have to jerk anybody's chain, but he will because he loves us and he wants us to be corrected before we go any further into destruction. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you are to put the... Now you yourselves are to put off these anger. Any of you here ever deal with anger? Oh, I see a few nods. We've got a few honest Christians out there. Well, that's, uh, that's an area that God has been dealing with me specifically in lately is anger. And I used to think, well, yeah, I got anger, but... Uh, it's not uh, not really that bad. But as, as the Holy Spirit was dealing with me, I could see how anger, I have had allowed anger to uh, get a foothold in my life. And as he was instructing me, I could see how easily I would get angry. Sometimes all it would take would be to hear somebody's voice and it would make me angry. That's kind of scary, huh? And how often I would, I would go to anger. And, and I believe anger, um, if it's not checked, you can actually become kind of an addict of anger where you can use anger to manipulate people. You can use anger to control people. They can say, hey, don't, don't, don't get him mad at you, whatever you do. You know, and uh, we as as uh, believers got to be careful that we don't practice anger. And especially those of us who have children. You know, you ever hear a generational sin? Yeah, I believe as a parent, if you are given to anger, your children can pick up on that and learn that. And that is not a good thing. So we got to be careful, you know. And how, how do we respond? Do, do we respond in anger? You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus got angry at least once. And, uh, and it says in Ephesians, it says, be angry but sin not. And I believe what that's teaching us, or me anyhow, is that uh, anger is an emotion that God has instilled in us. And it's probably a good thing because a lot of us can be so lethargic we won't do anything. But that anger can give us a little stimulation to cause us to arise and to do something that needs to be done. But don't let it get away from you. Don't be angry all the time. You know, don't take it to excess where you become full of wrath, where you freak out, can't uncontrollable, but to uh, keep that anger in check. Don't, and don't be angry all the time. Okay, now you guys are learning everything that I'm learning. I hope, I hope you can get something out of it. Okay.
You'll have to forgive me here. I get a little lost. Yeah, okay. 12 through 12 through 15, it says, Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved. Did you know that? As you as a believer in Jesus Christ are an elect of God. That's quite a handle, isn't it? It says to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So God's encouraging us, teaching us to put on these things, put on the good things. I've learned, uh, I've learned that I need to do it even when I don't feel like it. I'm still married to the same woman after 42 years. And uh, if I wouldn't have put on love, I don't think we'd still be married. Because there were times I felt like slapping her instead of loving her. But, uh, but I learned that you have to, if we're going to survive, if we're going to be the men and women that God's called us to be, we got to put it on sometimes, whether you don't feel like. I've learned I can't trust my feelings most of the time. In my 40-some years of, of uh, recovery, I can't count the times where I've thought, the heck with it, I'm just going to go get drunk. This is too much of a hassle. But, uh, but by God's grace... I didn't go there because I knew that was the wrong thing to do. I knew there was no life there. And uh, therefore, put it on. Sometimes put it on. You'll be glad you did afterwards, after the temptation has gone by, after the challenge has passed. You'll be very happy that you, you put on love, put on mercy. Yeah, and it says to... Uh, forgive yeah. any of you have any problem forgiving it says even as Christ forgave you has, has Christ forgiven you of anything probably so probably a lot Yeah, he's gracious and forgiving it says so you also should do is that what it says no, it doesn't. It says, so you also must do. This is basically a command that we must forgive. And I believe it's the biggest challenge that we as believers are going to come against is, is forgiving others who have hurt us, who have wronged us in the past. I don't care how good you've had it. Maybe you grew up in a castle with a silver spoon in your mouth. There's going to be somebody in your life that's going to be a challenge for you. And uh, the quicker we can learn to forgive, the better off we are. I don't know about you guys. What anybody has done to me doesn't amount to nothing compared to the forgiveness that God has shown to me. Yeah. So it's not too hard for me to forgive others because what they have done to me isn't, doesn't amount to nothing compared to what the sin that I committed against God. And he's willing to forgive me. And it says, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. 
that God wants us to walk in love. And it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So God wants us to love, walk in love, walk in peace, and to be thankful. A simple thing like being thankful, that's a big thing. And, uh, yeah, just to thank God every day. If you can get up in the morning and sit on your bed and uh, put your shoes, your socks and your shoes on, you got something to be thankful for. And, uh, and every other thing that we have. Yeah. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. There we've been talking about the word this morning. The word, the word, the word. There ain't no substitute for it. If we, if we will feast on God's word, it's going to have an influence on you. And you know what? Probably everybody around you. Because you're going to be filled with good. Not anger, not malice, not all the garbage that this world wants to dump on us, but we'll be filled with the good. You guys want to be filled with good? All right, all right, I do too. Let's feast on God's word. Yeah, and whatever you do, I'm I'm not going to be able to finish here possibly. Yeah, let, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I've known of dear saints who I know they feasted on God's word, and you know what? You'd catch them singing almost all the time. It's a byproduct of feasting on God's word. You'll have a song on your heart, you know. <laughs> and uh, even though you might not be the world's best singer, uh, God, uh, God is blessed when you sing and, and sing worship to him. And, um, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, there's power, power in the name of Jesus. When you sense the enemy is attacking you, attacking your mind, you can say, Satan, get out of my mind in the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. And Satan does not like it when we use that name, that name of Jesus. When, when the... Uh, early uh, disciples were preaching in the book of Acts. They'd go out and preach and heal and mighty things were happening. And uh, they'd get arrested, whatnot, and them religious leaders would say, we don't want you preaching. We don't want you teaching in that name any longer because things were happening. And the old devil, he tries to get us to shut up too. He tries to get us not to use that name of Jesus when we need to. And don't be taking his name in vain. You know, even, you know, you ever, give, you ever given that any thought? Why do people take God's name in vain? Why do they take Jesus' name in vain? And the conclusion I come to is there's power in that name. 
I never seen anybody say, oh, Muhammad, when they smash their finger with a hammer when they're pounding nails, or oh, Confucius, or... Uh, but I've heard plenty of them use God's name in vain because there is power in that name. And we can use that name for good. You know, we can meditate on God's word. We can have our, our minds and our hearts full of the word of God. You know, in the Old Testament days, the, the children of Israel, they were responsible to obey the Ten Commandments, you know, which was good. It didn't save them, but it was good. And uh, we're called to a higher calling now. I'm going to read you a portion of Scripture, which uh, we'll go there right now. It says, it says, it says, you know what, I didn't, I didn't put a marker there. I try to be so careful to put my markers in to save me time. Maybe the enemy didn't want me to go there. We're going to fool him, though. It says, I should have it memorized. As a matter of fact, I do. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought unto the captivity of Christ or to the obedience of Christ. Thank you. And so every thought we are supposed to bring under the obedience of Christ. That, uh, that makes it a little bit, more, uh, little bit more work on our part to bring every thought, not just our actions, but every thought. Because you know what? It starts with a thought. I've been reading a book that a friend of mine gave me called Don't, Let, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's by Louis Giglio. Maybe you've heard of him. He's quite a preacher, quite a... Quite a fella, an anointed man of God. And, and the, the message that he's bringing in there is don't let the enemy bring thoughts into your mind. Be careful what you're thinking. Bring every thought unto the obedience of Christ. If it's, if it's an ungodly thought, reject it. Get rid of it before it turns into sin. And when we do that... It's like we sang there in, in, uh, in uh, Psalms 23. Thank you for bearing with me, you guys. It says that uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This big table that God has for us, this feast. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, I want you to use your imagination a little bit here. This is going to be kind of a poor analogy, but I'm going to use it anyhow. Uh, pretend 
pretend that you have a dump truck and uh, you can use your image, you can have a brand new dump truck, a triple axle, or you can have a little dump truck, uh, a single axle. You can have high sides, short sides, don't matter. If you don't have faith to believe for a dump truck, how about a wheelbarrow or one of them garden carts? And, and then pretend that somebody loaded that thing so full that it's just running over the sides and running over the tailgate. Okay, you got that? Okay, okay, well, um, that's kind of the way our life is. And in life, there's going to be bumps along the road. Any of you ever notice there's been some bumps in the road along life's way? Or some curves or bends that you maybe weren't anticipating? Every time you hit a bump, every time you hit a bend, something's going to fall off of that truck because it was filled so full. And what's it going to be? Is it going to be anger, malice, hatred, bitterness? Or is it going to be goodness and mercy and love and kindness? The choice is up to us. If we will feast every day, if we'll get our truck full every day when we go out in this world, people will be behind us thinking, it look, that looks like gold falling off of that truck. What kind of a deal is this? They'll want to get closer and see what that is. They'll maybe even pull over and pick some up. And uh, so let us, let us, let our trucks be full of gold. And that only comes from God. Let our trucks be full of goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to close this with a short prayer right now. Thank you for bearing with me. And didn't quite got everything done that I had wanted to, but that's all right. Who knows? Pastor might even ask me to share again sometime. But uh, but anyhow, let us close with a short prayer. And, and if anybody needs prayer uh, for anything, uh, feel free to come forward. There's going to be some people here that would be happy to pray with you. Well, Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, and we're grateful, grateful for your great love and your great mercy. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us of our sin and to break the power of sin in our lives so we don't have to be slaves to it any longer. And we thank you for that newness of life that we have in Christ. And we can have peace and joy and love the things that life is all about. Your word says love never fails. You never fail us. Thank you for each person here today. God, may you pour out a blessing upon them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and have a wonderful day.